Magic! You're welcome. Magic Adventure time, come on, grab your friends. We're going to a very distant land with Finn and Jake and Marceline and Princess Bubblegum. It's adventure. Hello and welcome to Q&A time, episode 88. I'm uh, Mike the Human, and with me as always... Uh, friendly neighborhood nerd that is just currently swinging through New York, uh, Family Master, David McBurney. Uh, your man in Japan, uh, Gaijin Monogatari, the other Mike. And special and, guest, <laughs> which I'm stomping on you, uh, Josh Carpenter. Again, reviewer of all sorts of Sega stuff lately. Yay! Sega. Well, hey, I'm, oh, I'm actually playing a Sega-related game right now. It's part, partly. Oh, which partly. one? Well, actually, technically, it's a Ban Presto game, but it's got some Sega stuff in it. It's, uh... Cross Zone. No, actually, you know what? I'm not even sure what all is in this officially because I. I actually did research the the uh, various IPs in it about five years ago for Japandemonium, and I completely forgot about it afterwards. Oh, heavens. For <laughs> um, Heroin Chronicle. Oh, you've mentioned this before. Yes, I am not sure if I'm going to actually keep playing this game much longer, just because it is a pain at times. It's got... A lot of the good stuff from Super Robot Wars and quite a few of the awful things from Super Robot Wars going on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'd believe it. So, um, yeah, right now I'm in Chapter 10 where it starts off with one slightly or pretty well under-leveled character against four monsters with a guest character swooping in to help her defeat the monsters, then a boss character showing up that they have to beat, and then once they beat her and get out of there, everyone else shows up with... And more monsters show up to attack them, and then another boss character shows up, and as soon as the boss character is defeated, 12 more monsters show up, and you have to evacuate all eight characters to an evacuation point with nobody dying. Oh, lovely. Yep, that's, that's, <laughs> one, of, that's one of those like mission design tropes that Super Robot Wars uses a lot, so yeah. yeah. So yes, so for, the, so for the first section of the battle, it's if either character dies, game over. For the second section, if all characters die, game over. The third section, if any character dies, game over. Ooh. That, freaking, that reminds me of uh, one of the ones they actually localized. Uh, OG1 on GBA has like a mission that it introduces a bunch of new characters. And one of them is so ready to start punching people that she just goes off and you have to... You have to destroy everything before it manages to kill her, because she is not an AI that you get to control for that stage. But she is also going directly into the line of fire of literally everything on the map. Yeah, that sounds about right. And one of the features that this game sorely needs and did not get is anything that would allow you to skip dialogue. Huh, that's a very hmm. bad over. And when you've got that many talky characters from, let's see, right now we're at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different anime and game series. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oof, it gets really talky. Yeah. 
see. Symphokir, Kaito Tenshi, Twin Angel, yeah. Kyoso Giga, Diki yeah. Charat, Super yeah. Sonico, Hikurashi yeah. Noganaku Koroni, Hidan no Arias, Infinite Stratos, Zero no Tsukaima, Dream Hunter uh, Rem, and a couple originals. Yeah, um, I believe... Um, which ones have not... I haven't found Higarashi or... Um, oh, what was the third from the last one that you read? Before Dream Hunter Rem. Uh, before Dream Hunter Rem, Hidan uh, he, he no Aria or Infinite Stratos? Oh, no, wait. No, uh, Zero no Tsukaima. Thank you, Zero no Tsukaima. That one hasn't shown up either. Mm. Uh, so I'm missing at least two or three different series so far. But... And, yeah, I really wish I could keep the attack animations on as well. But right now, all of my characters are able to throw around three attacks per turn. And, um... Yeah, that's um, going to get well, there, there are things set up so that, for example, um, like, you're, uh, um, every unit has three stats that can be damaged in addition to hit points. The attack power, the accuracy, and the evasion rate. And if you manage to reduce one of those to zero, you get an extra attack. Oh. And hmm. there is some sort of um, quick time mini game that sometimes comes up as well. So there are good reasons to actually have the animations on. It's just that the animations take so long that my Vita actually went into um, semi power down mode. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of an attack. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that happen with Vita games where it's just like, this game has a ton of long cutscenes, and if I'm just letting them play out, it's going to go into like, oh, I'm going to dim the screen because you're not playing right now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, I've been trying to make sure I see everyone's attacks at least once, just because they're so ridiculous at times. Yeah. I mean, all, all the characters who are actually heroines in their own game or series, they actually have real attacks. Mm -hmm. But the token milk toast male... Well, yeah, one of his Always. attacks. Yes, of course. He, I mean, he even has one of his arms in a cast right now. <laughs> so, um, and he is quite likely the smallest character in the game. I mean, scrawniest. <laughs> but one of his attacks, you see him just valiantly running up and swinging hard at the enemy, and then you actually notice that there's it's actually a thought bubble, and it's his imagination, and it reveals the actual scene where he's just running with his eyes closed, swinging, and I'm just going, Wah! and he runs straight <laughs> into the enemy. Oh, that's fun. But the best one's actually Super Sonico's. Oh, man. Because, again, she's not a fighting character. She's like an advertising mascot. Yes, she is, in fact. And her best attack actually involves Nico Nico Dogu. Dogu. Oh. So, um, do, you know, do you guys Nico, um, know Nico Nico? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I do not. Okay, so it's an alternative to YouTube that a lot of Japanese like to use. Uh, but um, its streaming service allows viewers to type in comments. Oh man, how much of her, how much of her attack is just overshadowed by W's? Oh, oh it, it's it gets it's really good. Um, the attack actually starts off with her narrating via um, she's live streaming via her um, her handheld camera. Um, presenting it as like a combination hide and go seek and paranormal investigation that she's basically pretending to be a reporter and so you have all these comments going across the screen going like oh she's 
no, this is cute. She's being pretending to be a reporter. Oh, so cute. Oh, I love you. I love you. No, I love her more. I love her more. I love her more. Um, and while this is going on, she's walking along, and then she suddenly notices one of the enemies in the background. And she's like, uh-oh. And she takes off running. And so the view, um, the view from the camera is jumping up and down like something out of the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> and finally, she drops the camera, and you can see her running off into the distance with the monster following her. Then it cuts to an outside view of the camera, and the, reaction, the vitriolic reaction of the viewers reaches a point where all of their commentary bursts out of the view screen of the camera, slams into the enemy, and knocks it into the stratosphere. That's really good. <laughs> like, one thing you can always count on Ben Presto to do is, like, nonsense like that, where it's just like, we put heart and soul into all of these attack animations. That's the main reason I'm continuing with this, just to see what the heck happens. You just gotta go until you've gotten all of the all the characters and seen all their animations, and then you're done. <laughs> yes, well, I'm also waiting to see if I can actually beat this battle because if I die one more time, I'm just saying screw this. I'm selling it and starting up Final Fantasy X instead. Fair. <laughs> so, yes, I mean I've already gotten the uh, Digi Carrot Rabbit character as an as a boss actually, who uh, <laughs> who pummels you with fists made from her own ears. That's really good. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm down with this. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so yes, that's the fun part of this game. Everything else, not so much. I just went through, like, five optional training battles to get all of my characters up high enough that they probably won't die this time. It's nice to dream. Except they did the last time anyway, because all of the enemies decided to converge on one character who was not the closest to them, but still that's had close that yes. means that it must have different AI systems than typical for Super Robot Wars, where they'll, where the thing that they'll, the thing they'll converge on is the thing that they're most convinced they can hit. So that's that might be what they're doing is that if you have a character near near enough to them that they can reach them, but that they think they can hit, they'll go for that. The other problem is that half this battle takes place on a slightly slanted rooftop. So all of the monsters are getting um, height advantages. Oh. oh, yeah, that's that's something that doesn't exist in SRW. They have, like, terrain advantages, but, you know, the yeah. terrain's much I mean, more abstract it, than it, this. It, it works more as a terrain advantage, but it just means terrain means they get plus 5% attack accuracy mm -hmm. and you get negative 5 evasion. Mm, yeah. That'll do it. Yep. Oh, and all and, the infinite Stratus characters have shield energy. So yeah. they lose energy while walking or attacking or counterattacking. I'm not quite sure what happens when you reach zero, but I've got shield energy items on all of them right now. If it's anything like SRW, they can still move a bit, but not much. <laughs> Yeah, so I've, I've been strongly considering reviving that uh, feature I did last winter, why I am never going to finish this game. That's fair. This would be like the third item on the list to write about. Nice. Okay, guys, I'm, I've said my piece. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm back from PAX. Yay! Sometimes known as Outer Space. Outer Space? Yeah, so I'm back from outer space. Um, 
I hear you yeah, got a poster yeah, signed by a famous someone. A famous oh, so-and-so. Yeah, I got a nice uh, poster signed by Yuji Hori. I hate you. Yay! <laughs> I've got it framed in my room now. Uh, it's uh, very nice. I was very, very lucky to get it. Um, did you actually meet him, or did I was else? not lucky enough to meet him. What okay. happened was, there was like a meet and greet that you had to be at the Dragon Quest Eleven booth at the right time to get an invitation to. And oh, someone... Gosh. And someone got hold of a ticket for it, tried to get hold of me, but wasn't able to, and so just got another poster signed by him and brought it to me. It was crazy oh, generous of Wow. Yeah. Uh, I also took a selfie with the localization director of Yakuza because I felt very... I feel very grateful to him at all times. And also, they did a great thing where they just... Everyone who went to the, like... Sega localization panel just got an official Majima eye patch, which was very good. <laughs> oh my God, I remember seeing they, some photos of that. That's they amazing. had all of us stand up to sing the Majima Construction Corporate Unity song. <laughs> it was uh, really. Which, if somehow you haven't seen the launch trailer for Kiwami please, 2, you have to go watch just that. Go look at that. It's so good. But yeah, they had us all put on the eye patches and stand for that, which that was fun. That, that's pretty. <laughs> they also recorded the entire crowd shouting "Sega" in unison. <laughs> oh, Sega! Like they—they've turned themselves around in the past few years. <laughs> I'd say so. That, that merger with Atlas did did wonders for them, especially their American arm. Yeah. Suddenly they had one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They talked a bit about, uh, they showed some concept art of the Valkyria Chronicles 4 main character from very early in development, when he had just a completely different name, personality type, and everything else, and they'd had to, like, because they were talking about localization, and they'd started, con like, they were talking about essentially Bullets Dodge, and it's like they hadn't even really considered how this guy was going to be localized before he was just completely scrapped. Oh. Well, and it's really interesting. Interesting. So you just got to consume all of the Sega stuff at PAX, huh? I was I was at the Sega panel. I was at the NIS slash SNK panel, which was really cool because I got to listen to them talk about the SNK 40th anniversary, which I'm very interested in that collection. It says it's collecting a lot of games that aren't precisely good but are historically interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if while you're at their booth, you happen to figure out who was in charge of uh, bringing Mugen Souls over. No, not at all. Did you, I wasn't going did to you get a name for me? For no. <laughs> okay. No, I played Metal Max Zeno instead. Well, that's okay. That's much better. The localization looks good. <laughs> oh, well, uh, tell us then. Metal Max Zeno. Please, please. Uh, like, the demo was a pretty small amount. I spent some time messing around with, like, fighting inside the tank, fighting outside the tank. And, like, the end of it was... Like, there, there was only... Like, it was basically the final build of the game, as far as I could tell, because there seemed to be no limits in place to stop you from just continuing. Mm -hmm. So I went I went about through, like, one of the early bosses. It was, like, this boss tank that had, like... It had, like, an eye. I can't remember precisely what it was called. It had, it had yeah. some pun name. Something like Kentaros for the Japanese version. Yeah. It, 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 it like, called, like... It, I want to say it called to mind some sort of Cyclops in terms of, like, the pun name they gave it, but... I was going to say, I'm, I was hoping that they would give them more interesting names than they had in Japanese. 
So it sounds good. Yeah, but it, it seemed well localized. Like, uh, you know, it, it was. You you know Metal Max Zeno better than I, but it seemed like it was coming along. It came along pretty well. I didn't see any major problems. So. No red flags. <laughs> uh, but that was fun. No, NIS America's booth was actually pretty nice. They had uh, the SNK 40th. They had Metal Max Zeno. They had their Etrian Odyssey style game that comes out apparently in like a month that I hadn't even realized happen was happening. Which one is mm-hmm. that? I don't know what it's called. It had a long name, something about Labyrinth. <laughs> but it was just, when I was looking at oh, it, it's like, um, this is a uh, Labyrinth of Refrain? I think that's correct. That's yeah. Fun. That's the one where you have, like, puppets that you send into the dungeon? It seemed incredible. Yeah, Labyrinth of Refrain, Coven of Dusk. And it seemed incredibly Etrian Odyssey. Hmm. Like, just. Hmm. Absolutely, like, it was basically like, well, there's nothing like this on the Switch and PS4 right now, so, ooh, baby, we got a cornered market. <laughs> and that comes out in, like, two months. Not, like, two months, like, two weeks, so. If in fairness, need... I've been irrationally ignoring that because it comes from NIS and it has a witch in it, so ever since ooh, Witch oh, yeah. it's there, yeah. I can... I can understand that. It seemed fine. It seemed probably a little chatty for what it was, but I mean that's kind of NIS's style. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, it comes out on PS4, Switch, and Steam within the next few days, weeks. Uh, yeah. September. Sometime in September. Eighteenth. So like a week and a day from now. I would love to check that out, but my Etrian backlog is already like a mile high. <laughs> Too bad, you'll buy it anyway, because you're an animal. Um, Let's see. Uh, I played the Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise demo. Parts of it that aren't in the general demo they just released. I played a bit of the uh, other battles that were on display. Those were... If you're you're a Fist of the North Star fan, that game is is like (laughs) pure joy being injected directly into your veins. Uh... Like, it's it's really, really just ridiculous. And the English dub seems fine. I'm going to be playing in Japanese the entire time because I just want to hear all of the Yakuza voice actors playing Fist of the North Star characters. They, they actually did an English dub? Wow. Yeah, it's dual audio. I was going to huh. say, how would they manage to simulate the ridiculously faux-aggressive macho Japanese actor's voice? Uh, he's, you know, he's, like, the thing is that most of the demo was in battle, so most of what I was hearing was how well he could, and he was pretty decent at that. In conclusion, uh, I'm pumped. Uh, they've done, uh, as I was playing more of the demo when I got home, I really appreciated how much that they'd, like, they had to localize all of the, so one of the things that can happen is that if you perfectly time an attack, you will sometimes cause the enemy to shout something that's like a comic-style word that you would see in Fist of the North Star, and they had to localize and do new models for all of those. Oh, no. And they, they're really nice. Like, they, like, the thing is that because those things will sometimes fall out of the sky and become physical objects you can hit enemies with, and they had to make sure that they were of a similar size to the kanji that used to be there. It's it's really cute. I enjoy it. Uh, I got to ask one of the people who worked on the game 
why on earth the game has a comes with a sticker that just says hit balls <laughs> and the answer was that it was very cleverly censored and that it does not in fact quite say hit balls but it's ref it's referencing simultaneously the sort of thing someone would say while exploding in Fist of the North Star and a line from Yakuza 0 and how that got localized but uh so yeah, uh, I recommend it. There's so much Yakuza news, I could be talking for hours. So I'm going to stop doing that so that oh, I... we can discuss things that uh, that Gaijin has to talk about before he has to leave. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, I've got a lot of... That was a, that was a really fun pack. Uh, uh, there was a lot of really good panels. I went to the Devil May Cry 5 panel as well. Yes. And that was really... <laughs> they, one of my favorite bits was uh, the director talking about how there's a there's a weapon you can get in that where Nero like fires off his rocket arm and just rides around on it and the director himself was describing it as essentially the most uh, quote unquote chuny thing imaginable and then like the one of the people who spoke English had to sit down and translate like by that he means the sort of thing that 13 year olds think is really really cool <laughs> But that was that was another really good panel because they spent a lot of time like showing off like concept art and things that like oh this was the design process for one of the new characters and like some of the designs that she had and here's like the actress that we like face modeled her off of but here's also some of the changes that we made because we wanted the character to have X Y and Z like features to go along with it so it was it was really interesting that was a good panel cool very cool yeah sorry. I thought I would give the full rundown and news report. <laughs> no, that's fine. Oh, I also uh, I uh, also saw and some footage of the uh, Grandia 2 remaster, and also got Woo! some some statements about uh, Grandia 1. They had apparently wanted to show it, but it just wasn't quite in shape to show at the show. So that's it. They said uh, when pressed on the date, they said you know winter. They wouldn't they wouldn't give me more than winter, but. You know, it's close. I'm into it. <laughs> Good by me. I need to play Grandia 2 again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will be very happy to not play it on the Dreamcast. <laughs> it's truly Pavlovian hatred. Yeah, it's pretty stupid, but... Whatever. I loved me the Saturn man. Ah, he can play some old Saturn games on Yabausa. I love that that's an acronym. That's a, that's a great, uh, all-time great emulator acronym. It stands for Yet Another Broken and Unfinished Saturn Emulator. Nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> honest. Yeah. It's true, although it's in actually in really good shape these days. Yeah, it's actually been making some uh, major breakthroughs recently. Yeah, you can actually play stuff, like the good stuff. No. Yeah, you can play uh, Panzer Dragoon and Die Hard Arcade, and basically those are all I ever need to play in my life. So. Shining Force 3? Yeah, but neither of those is Die Hard Arcade. Shining the Holy Ark? That's even less Die Hard Arcade. Get Wasn't out. Die Hard Arcade on P PlayStation 1 as well? No. No? Die Hard Arcade, you're thinking of Die Hard Trilogy. Die Hard Yo, Arcade oh, yeah, is the okay. beat -em up that Sega made that's called Dynamite uh, Decca in Japan. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, the, that's the reason why they have not die-hard character in Project Cross Zone. 
Yeah. Gotcha. It's so yeah. good. It's one. It's pro. It's one of my favorite 3D beat 'em ups. Like, there's not a lot of great 3D beat 'em ups, but that one's really good. Let's well, uh. talk about really fun. It's combat animations in a tactical game. Oh yeah, those ones are great. Yeah, in Project Cross Zone, the the dynamite Decca character, he's literally throwing everything, including a grandfather clock and the, the kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah, all of which are available as weapons in Die Hard Arcade. And even better, I, if I remember right, the grandfather clock is actually stuffed with dynamite, and when it explodes, he's sent flying off screen, and he's shouting, I think I may have used too much. <laughs> Something to that effect. So. Sorry. No apologies. But, uh... Yeah, so that, I should probably stop rambling about packs long enough for us to discuss maybe a question. Sure. Or some of... some. Uh, someone else could discuss video games as well. Uh, <laughs> did anyone else watch a certain finale to a certain long-running cartoon series this week? I could not grab me? my friend. Adventure Time. I never watched it. Ah! <laughs> hey, excuse me. Some of us have been kind of out of the country for the last 14 years, and most of the time without cable. I think that actually has been dubbed into Japanese, though. Oh, yeah, more recently, but I still didn't have TV, regular TV access until, like, six months ago. Okay, you have an excuse. Actually, four months ago. I have been so busy reviewing games the last few weeks, I had not had time to watch anything. But would you have watched Adventure Time? Maybe, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, I'm behind. I'm behind, too, but I just wanted to, to see the finale and see how they wrapped it up, which they did quite nicely. Gotta go to far off future lands. Yeah. Still feels. I mean, it's like this. It's this kind of show they could pretty much do as long as they wanted to. But you know, I guess it's good not to let it run into the ground because I looked at the ratings and it had been like falling off a cliff. So, uh, it's it's good that they stopped it before they were like, well, we won't invest in another season, so you don't get closure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's built a generation of fans, I'm sure, considering... It'll get revived in about ten years? Yeah, I'm going to say, considering how many old shows have come back, I would not be surprised at all if it returns. Strip Mining Nostalgia is now, is now just part of the, uh, part of the corporate... Uh, Business model? Yeah. Yeah, so... Give it ecosystem. some time. Every ecosystem needs bottom feeders. Listen, if it's if it's a nice enough bottom, yeah. who who are we to not feed? I mean, hey, over here, Japan, everybody loves to eat eel during the summer. That's a bottom feeder. <laughs> oh man, eel is good actually. Yeah, they, they don't normally eat carp, however. Carpe diem. Yeah, koi koi. Oh well, but sometimes they do. There's a couple of restaurants around here that will serve koi. Nice. And over there, you have catfish. True. True. That will eat anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you won't eat a horse. Yeah. Yeah, we don't do that. So if much. we're hungry enough, we could eat a horse. Oh. Or at least, uh, we, yeah, or at least we say we will. So of all the things I have offered visiting Americans, including my own family members, the one thing that they unilaterally refuse is anything cooked horse meat. <laughs> huh. hmm. I or uncooked horse meat, as the case may be. I will eat that if you can't stop me. <laughs> okay. Well, go ahead. It's pretty good. 
I'm going to say one last thing about uh, Spider-Man, which is that if you try to punch a civilian, Spider-Man stops himself and does finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> Showing that wonderful sense of self-control that Spider-Man has. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason he has any villains left alive because he won't punch them hard enough to actually kill them. There, there are just too many games this past week. And yeah, it, it's not slowing down. Like I, I, I got, I bought Dragon Quest Eleven, but I passed on actually starting on that because I also bought the four, four twenty eight Shibuya Scramble, that weird oh, visual man. novel that no one ever thought was going to come out. Yeah, because it came out good. on Wii like ten years ago. Yeah, it's really good. It's very weird. It's um like more like a sound novel. I think they called. I think that's what Chun. Yeah, those are much genre. more distinct genres in Japan. We just like it seems like anything that's kind of an adventure game that comes from Japan. American press tends to call a visual novel, and it's like. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's. It has a lot of, like, you have, like, five different characters' arcs that you're following, and you'll make decisions, and then every time you make a decision, it will affect, often affect other characters, and so sometimes you kind of have to go and get the bad endings, kind of, like, have a bad ending for that character before you can go back and kind of, like, you know, change something in a different timeline so that you can actually get the, you know, keep the good ending going. But hmm. it's really weird and really good. At least what I got to play, and then then after playing that for a couple of days, I got a new game for review, and now I'm reviewing Valkyria Chronicles Four. Yay! I hope that's. Good. I hope yay anyway. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's the combat is excellent. Like you know, like if you've been waiting on something to actually riff on the Valkyria Chronicles One style combat, we finally got a new another game like that. Sweet. That's and I mean. It it does not waste a lot of time, kind of drop before it starts dropping you into some really serious, tough missions. It, it's not like the first game where you know the first six or seven missions were kind of like eh, whatever. When until you got to that first mega tank, that it got really unfairly hard. <laughs> so 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 far, yeah, the combat is really good. I think they've they've really done a good job of like balancing out the classes a little bit better. Um, scouts aren't overpowered like they used to be. That's good. <laughs> they were pretty the ridiculous in the first game. Yeah, you could pretty much beat most of the maps just using scouts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like move my tank forward a little bit, so it's like a you know, so it takes all the machine gun fire, and then I'm just gonna run a scout up and kill the one guy in that in that last uh, camp, and then take the camp game over, you know, mission over. <laughs> Yeah, there there is a ton. Most of these maps have tons of like pillboxes and Gatling guns and all kinds of stuff where you cannot just run a scout from one side to the other. He will get slaughtered. You have to kind of sit there and plot like how you're going to move. I've actually been using the APC quite a bit to move characters so that they don't get slaughtered by machine guns. So there's been. A yeah, the the strategy side of it is great. The story and characters haven't really clicked as much. I mean, they're not bad. It's just kind of been like, yeah, they're all right. <laughs> That'll happen. Yeah, you know. And just I don't know how much manages to improve. <laughs> some of that may just be like, uh, you know, like memory of comparing what I remember the first game being like as opposed to what it actually was. Hey, you'll be able to replay the first one on Switch if you haven't already replayed it on PS4 or Steam. That's right. 
so I can buy that game yet again. Listen, it's twenty dollars, and you know you're gonna do it. <laughs> Happily, I probably will at some point. <laughs> Got it on all the other systems, so. Plus, it's it's good to have portable. True enough. True yeah. enough. It's just good to have that series back. It is. Yeah. And not Azure Revolution. Uh, we don't speak uh, of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very well coordinated. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Have, we could not have rehearsed that better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, JJ on a Jameson just complained that the reason that Spider-Man just falls onto the ground sometimes is to create potholes to make humans miserable. <laughs> Oh man, I want Spider-Man too. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, Spider-Man is the reason I have not yet started Dragon Quest. Well, that and it came two days after release date. Yeah, Damn Square Enix uh, store. For which platforms? It is just PS4. Yeah. That's uh, what well, I was afraid of. Oh well. It, it's the one thing Sony got out of the uh, the whole selling Spider-Man back to Marvel thing. I think. Pretty much. Yeah. Which, considering how well it's selling, may have worked out well for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this seems to be about as well as PS4 exclusives have sold. Oh, that rocket launcher's not so good. Um, <laughs> Please, distract them. <laughs> I was going to say, it's great, to, it's great whenever you see a company use a licensed property well like that, instead of trying... To, instead of trying to t- tie it to Spider-Man: Homecoming or anything like that, just give it to a good developer and let them, you know, go to town. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a really fun way to use a license that's got a lot of long-standing like uh, ideas within it. Is just like this idea of like, oh, we can just make our own continuity and just sort of pick and choose what works for what we're doing. Yeah. And it lets you do a lot of fun things, too. That's one of the reasons I always loved the uh, Ultimate Universe in Marvel Comics, was you've got access to all these characters, and you can do like weird new origin stories or flip some of the characters on their heads. And, yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun, and I, I can't wait to do more of it. Although I do yeah. need to start Dragon Quest Eleven at some point, because it's absurdly long. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Intimidatingly long. But it looks uh, really cool. In, in fact, to um, get into Budai's most recent question of what makes Dragon Quest Dragon Quest, would that actually be one of the things that makes it Dragon Quest absurdly long? Extremely long. long. <laughs> uh, well, at least the more recent the ones have been. Like hours or less, but, you know. Yeah, the first one kind of does, but like... By by the standards of the time, two and three are pretty long. <laughs> yeah, oh, three was incredibly long. I mean, for an NES game. Yeah, so I, I'd say like it's been a hallmark much longer than it hasn't. So yeah. I was gonna say I watched a funny review that I think put it pretty nicely was uh, where they said like Dragon Quest games contain their own sequels. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Pretty much. <laughs> the tendency towards a more episodic storytelling style than a lot of games still have at this point gives them the sense of, like, not if not their own sequels, then at the very least, like, they're often, like, episodes mixed into 
individualized arcs, so it does give the sense of, like, essentially a series worth of storytelling within one game. Usually, yeah. I, I think 8 was the one that had the most linear and coherent main storyline. Yeah, and even that still has a lot that's kind of episodic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's... Uh... It's nice to have a mainline new Dragon Quest. Uh, you know, one of the things we did early on in the show was talk about a lot about how we wanted the damn series to succeed, and we wanted those awesome 3DS ports that we finally got. So, you know, we got and we this. Seem to, I think Eleven's doing reasonably well. Hopefully, you know, seems I, to be indications of it. You know, fans have supposedly been clamoring for this for a while, so ball's in our court now. We gotta gotta buy the damn thing. I promise I'll, I'll probably end up buying the PS4 version, but I promise I'll definitely be buying the Switch version. Yeah. It's just a question of whether I will be buying the game twice. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> will be. Yes, I know. You're... You've got more disposable income than I do. I'm just gonna put it right out there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I picked up the PC version because I'm trying to support even, you know, getting more JRPGs on that. Nice. Well. Can't wait to buy all those Yakuza games again on Steam. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, we should get to a question. <laughs> hey, that well, was that a question. Kind of that did was, a question. I just, we didn't fully answer it, so. Like, what makes Dragon Quest Dragon Quest? I think a certain... Like a combination of melancholy and whimsy to the writing, a cartoony uh, style that pervades it thanks to Toriyama's illustration work. And then yeah. you go on the quests and just and kill dragons. Yeah, yeah. There's there's usually at least one dragon to be killed. Yeah. How about resting the question? Would Dragon Quest be Dragon Quest without Toriyama? I don't That's know that it would be. Quest. It's the same as like, is it still? Dragon Quest without, like, Yuji Hori's writing style that gives it so much of its, like, weird combination of, like, this is a fairy tale, but it's also very, like, oftentimes kind of melancholy. That, that's also harder to say because, I mean, I have read Dragon Quest manga and seen various anime that were not, they did not actually have Yuji Hori involved in the writing process and in a couple cases they didn't have Toriyama involved in the art process either. Yeah. But both of those men had an indelible influence on those series. Yeah. It's like um, uh, Dino Daibokan, the, the better of the various uh, manga series based on Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, the artists were definitely trying to emulate Toriyama a bit. <coughs> and kind of emulated Dragon Ball a little too much at times. Um, but it was very definitely a Dragon Quest-style story in every aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like, yes, you can certainly have it without Hori or Toriyama involved, but that's because they set the standards so much that anyone attempting to write a Dragon Quest story will have to somehow copy them. Yeah. They're both so influential to, like, that game, and consequently to, like, JRPGs as a concept. 
that like to step away from that would be could only ever be done self-consciously like you could never produce something that was accidentally unlike it you would have to deliberately choose to make something unlike it and then okay well let's let's use this moment to plug um, former RPG RP gamer Q&A host Matt Demers fan made Dragon Quest game Oh yeah, I've needed to play more of that. I remember you yes. uh, plugged that once and I downloaded it. Yep. So it's Dragon Warrior Begin a New Quest and he is a massive Dragon Quest fan and it shows a lot in this game. It's it's still, in my opinion, probably the best 8-bit Dragon Quest game I've played. Hmm. Yep. Downloading now. Wow. It's good. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting to try it. Like, it's so hard to pull out what makes Dragon Quest Dragon Quest because it's in it. You know, a lot of times in the AAA space, you know, it's hard to say like precisely who made this unless you care a lot about it. But I mean, it's like Dragon Quest is auteur driven almost because at the time there was no way not to be. So. Kind of end up with this thing that's indelibly connected to the people that originated it. Yeah. I mean, I'd say Yuji Hori is the closest thing you can get to a JRPG auteur. I'd say there's actually a lot. I would say there's a, a few. Like Square actually employs a fair few of them that are just like, if you told me, if you wouldn't, if I didn't know who made this, I'd be able to pick it out. If, like, if they all made new IPs, I'd be able to pick out who had made what. Yeah, but, but that's more like identifying um, a movie director by his work, but there's still a bit of a difference between a director and an auteur in this case. Fair enough. Corey, Corey doesn't just have his own style, he created a series in his own image, and he still holds very strong creative control over it. Thirty years. Yeah, ago. I do. I do but, wonder what they intend to do. Like Hori is getting up there in years. I do wonder. Like they must have entire committees just dedicated to what do we do when he either steps down or goes and, the way of all good things. And, and again, they've also had some great success creating spin-off material based on Dragon Quest that did not actually involve him in the story making mm -hmm. process. Yeah. So, I mean, they already have this stuff in place to replace them eventually. Yeah, I would just suspect there's probably some crisis of confidence about whether they can manage that with the mainline series, but eventually they're going to, so I mean, best to get that started is, and spin off. I mean, this is a Japanese company we're talking about. So, I mean, it's a Japanese company and they tend to plan ahead for this. Yeah. I still love that there's a Final Fantasy committee. Yeah. I mean, it, it means not even just businesses. It's like I had a family member link me to a, an article discussing Japan's looming Y2K-style problem with the, the uh, soon-to-change um, imperial calendar name. Oh, yeah. I heard and about how that, they, yeah. How will they work with this? Da, 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 da. I'm like... Dude, this is going to be like the fourth time in modern history it's happened. They know when it's going to happen. They are almost, I mean, they're not even going to wait for the Emperor to drop dead this time. <laughs> they are prepared. They're not going to have a Y2K crisis the way it's being described here. No. Pretty much. 
I mean, this is even before we consider the fact that for programming purposes, they generally use the Western calendar anyway. Yeah. Their programming uh, crisis is going to be when the Unix epoch rolls over. Yeah. Same with everyone else. Um, So, it's... I, I have the feeling it's more of an argument that can only be made from the outside looking in. Yeah. Because if you saw from the inside, it'd be like, no, we, we know where we're going here. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we jump into another question? Sure, sure. Sure. Let's see here. Uh, also from Budai. Is combat more important than story? Is art design more important than story? All of these things are important, not necessarily too important um, against each other until one of them fails completely. Yeah. I think it also depends on the game, too. Uh, like if you have a game that's heavily combat-focused, then yes, that would be more important than story. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it really all depends. I mean, RPG is a spectrum of styles to begin with, so some are going to be more focused on the fighting, some of them are going to be more story. Um, if it's a guest game, it's going to be very pretty and have great music and probably interesting story and stuff, probably. Uh, so... And some of that is just going to be dependent on the person. Like, every person is going to have a different... It's going to fall on a different spot on the spectrum. You know, whether story is more important to you, or combat, or art. You know, like, I tend to be more of a story person than really combat. You know, story can pull me through kind of meh combat, but I know plenty of people who are the exact opposite way. Who, you know, don't need a good story, just so long as the, the combat is interesting and engaging. Yeah, and I've seen lots of people, too, who, like, um, the art style can be important. Like, some people scoff at, like, something like um, uh, Octopath Traveler. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a gorgeous game, but I guess just because it looks like an old game, some people would ignore it. So, you know, it's it's all... There's no one answer for this. It's all all really depends on the game, the person... <laughs> Well, you can you can make a case that the people who are playing gotcha games are almost playing it just for the art. You know, they're they're playing it to get that character they That's like. That's true. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So it doesn't need story or combat; just needs the art. Good art. But that's its own weird little extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Won't say. I mean, a lot of gacha games are just like softcore porn delivery devices to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> just judging from some of the DMM advertising I have been getting on my computer lately. So. Well, hey, I got that feeling from some of the uh, Fire Emblem Heroes summer promotions. Yeah. Get your favorite character in a bikini. Yep. Yeah, they didn't have any of the men in in trunks, did they? Um, did they? Maybe. <laughs> uh, 
Unfortunately, Speedos are not the norm in Japan, or else I've seen something more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the Fire Emblem fan base in Japan, but I know here in here in the West, it there, there's a lot of a lot of female fans of Fire Emblem. Seems like a missed opportunity. Uh, absolutely. She seems seems like most of the time when I see somebody talking about Fire Emblem on Twitter, it's uh, mostly women, which is cool. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just jump on to the next question, which is pretty meaty, which is, uh, what is the most important RPG in the last 10 years? And I thought I had my answer to this, and then I found out that Persona 3 came out in 2006, so now uh, i got to think of something else. <laughs> well, couldn't you say Persona 3 Portable? Perso- Persona 4? <laughs> yeah, that would work. It's like if that counted, I, I think it'd be Persona because Persona just totally changed. You know, over the years, it's kind of come to really change JRPGs, and you see so many. Heck, they're almost just Persona clones have practically become a, you know, something you just constantly see coming out of Japan now, and it certainly yeah. invades pretty much all the other, pretty much every other JRPG that comes out. Yeah, I think Persona was one of the first uh, JRPGs I played that kind of pulled me out of my like Final Fantasy Dragon Quest comfort zone. And actually, I think reading reviews of it is one of the things that brought me back to the site, in fact. so uh, It's definitely very, very important. I'm trying to think of something else that would also fit. Would it be Skyrim? I mean, once again, is it Skyrim in the last 10 years? Uh, I, the thing about Skyrim is, yeah, it was extremely popular, but I'd almost put, like, um, Morrowind as more important. Yeah. Because I think that kind of brought attention to, to that sort of open-worldy RPG to a lot more people, and... Yeah, that was probably the more influential one. Yeah, and I'd say Skyrim is kind of just the culmination of that. Probably, most likely, the better game for sure, but uh, I think Morrowind might be more important. I don't know. Maybe even um, Oblivion. Since it was obviously on the more popular Xbox. (laughs) (laughs) And also on PS3. It kind of sort of worked on PS3. Yeah. Did not was play- that the one that had the bug that if you played it for too long, your save file will get corrupted? I think that was actually in that Fallout 3 and possibly New Vegas as well. Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't actually fix that until Skyrim, and that was also a mess on PS3 for other reasons. Oh, cell processor. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't match well with Bethesda and oh, their no, uh, no. Not, yeah. not great bug testing. Yeah. Somehow Bethesda manages to get a pass on that. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, we always hear, well, it's an open-world game, it's hard to catch all these bugs. And then I go and play Breath of the Wild, and it's like, oh, I've experienced maybe one crash in, like, a hundred hours in this game. Hmm. Hmm. Granted, maybe it's not as complicated, but what? still. Well, that that's one of those instances where the added complication, does that actually add anything to the game? Does it add anything extra that you can pick up a book and then move it to your, your hideout and leave the book there and it will still be there? No. If it makes, if it makes the overall game buggier and terrible? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's my opinion, but unfortunately, I, I don't know. Unfortunately, the Elder Scrolls, the aesthetics has never really appealed to me, so I've never been able to get into them. I started to get into them recently, uh, kind of backwards through playing their digital card game. <laughs> Why is that not a surprise? Uh, it's, yeah, it should not be a surprise. <laughs> But it was, it was that and going back and looking at um, Morrowind, really, because, you know, Oblivion is good and all, but it's kind of like generic fantasy. But if you go back and look at Morrowind, it's like a lot more interesting setting because you're on this weird island. There's like forests of giant mushrooms and um, get to explore like abandoned Dorvan settlements and stuff like that it's it was a pretty cool game and you know skyrim's a little better but i really wish they would explore more of the weirder aspects of that universe because uh, i mean it's mostly just like generic fantasy but there's some different stuff i think it'd be cool for them to spend more time in or just make make another game set in uh morrowind Although I guess they kind of have since it's in uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Finally, the sequel you've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're we're talking about what is the most important RPG in the last ten years? That was a Budai question. Hmm. And, and another idea just po- dawned on me. Like how, we hadn't mentioned like Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I would put definitely dark- define the subgenre. Mm-hmm. I would say Dark Souls over Demon Souls because it solidified things a little better. Yeah. But again, we have the problem of a genre that is actually a gestalt. And it's like, okay, no matter how important this one game was, it's only really influencing its immediate area of sure. concept. I mean, we can make commentary like Final Fantasy XIII had a very big impact on its section of the genre. Not necessarily a good one, <laughs> but it certainly had an impact. It's true. Yeah. Or we could say Atelier uh, Morona managed to completely restart Gust's main se- um, flagship series. And its own section of the genre is very much influenced by everything Atelier does. So, yeah. I think it's one of those questions that really doesn't have a good answer. 
No, you're probably right. I'm trying to trying to think of something that's had like a broad influence, and there's yeah, there's not really that much. I've yeah, you know, there are like the big the big games that everyone talks about, like The Witcher threes. But does that change the genre? No, it's just super popular. Yeah, it's just yeah. really yeah, you know, like a really good distillation of a type of the genre. Yeah. And if you want to, and going back to like Skyrim and Morrowind for a second, you know, uh, obviously that type of RPG is really popular, but there haven't really been a lot of good ones outside of like uh, Bethesda games. Uh, most of the ones I saw after like Morrowind and Oblivion were really popular were kind of uh, some mediocre open world RPGs like uh, Two Worlds and the the um, baffling in existence Two Worlds too. Which somehow is still getting content. Yes, I I do not understand, but you know, if someone wants to play, you know, more power to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only question I have is, is is the sequel to that, the eventual sequel, going to be really be Two Worlds Three? Oh, God help us if there's a Two Worlds Three. <laughs> Two worlds, too much. Uh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> too fast, too furious, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, the one I would want to try and bring up, like, over the past ten years, I'd say, like, wow, because there were for a while there were so many MMORPGs trying to ape off that, but that didn't... that originally released in, like, 2004, right? So it so. doesn't yeah. really count. I mean, it totally should, because, again, for its section of the genre, yeah, it is the de- defining standard. Yep. And the reason why none of the others can really succeed. Well, except now uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, which just hit, like... Is the, is the exception that proves the rule. It's a bizarre exception, considering its first year. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd say, in... Probably because of its first year, because it started off awful, and then they made a very concerted and public attempt to what's the right word? Redeem it, and they made hmm. the entire thing free for the first year. As part of it, if you yeah. wanted to suffer, that is, it was not very good. Yes, but then, <laughs> but then they not they not only reset the world, but they actually caused the end of the original version's world, and you were, could be there to witness it. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we could just turn it off like that, but no, we are literally going to cause the end of all things. And you can just have a seat right there and watch it go. Yay. Kaboom. And then we all get transmigrated to new bodies. I'm trying to think. Um, so one of the things I think that have happened a lot in games over the past ten years is a lot more games are sort of RPGs, meaning uh, bef- prior to like ten years ago, first-person shooters, like action games, stuff like that, would be pretty straightforward. But over the years, 
a lot of them have started adding like skill trees or simple level up systems and things like that. And I'm wondering yeah. if did that start with any sort of game or did it just kind of organically start to happen over the years? That is a good question. I mean, that got big in sports games as well, where every yeah. every different sports games has its own little essentially RPG where you play the role and you level up your character, you make him better, you play season after season. I think Road to the Show and MLB was the first, may have been the first one to do that in sports. But hell, there may have been something before that even. Yeah. I mean, this summer I was playing Tomb Raider for PlayStation 3, and it's technically got an experience-based skill improvement system. That I would never call it an RPG, but it's interesting at least. So, yeah, okay. I, was, I was thinking of that because it, it's obviously in the new Spider-Man game. It's got like a, it's got level ups and a whole interesting skill tree. So. I'm gonna have to look back and try and see if there were if there was like some big popular like action or shooter game that kind of started doing that. Like I'm, I was thinking, you know, Bioshock kind of did that, although it it was necessarily advertised as like a straightforward first person shooter anyway. Um, but yeah. it'd be interesting to see if there was an, a game or two that kind of started that trend. And I might put that as maybe the most important quote-unquote RPG the last 10 years. But yeah, this is this is really a difficult question to answer because it seems like any game I think of, it's like, well, it influenced some games and was really popular, but it didn't really go beyond that. Well, in any case, I need to get going now because I actually have classes this afternoon again. Okay. All right, we will catch you next week, sir. Okay, see ya. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I think actually... No, not next week. Two weeks, I think, is Metal Max Xeno. Yeah, it's the same week as Valkyria Chronicles 4. Oh, God, too many games. (laughs) Too many games. Good luck choosing between those two. Uh, I mean, we talk we talk about Metal Max so much on the show. I'm gonna have to play that, but I'm I'm still curious. I hope, like like you know, like um, Michael wasn't that high on it, but I'm hoping it's one of those things where, um, almost like Sakura Tyson, which I you know I played the 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 only one that came out in in English, the fifth one, So Long My Love. Yeah. And you go and you read the fan boards, and that's like one of the least liked ones. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone likes two and three, and five's kind of, it's not the worst, but it's not one of the better ones. So I'm hoping maybe it's the same sort of thing. Like if you've played all of them, if you've played all of the Metal Max games, this one's kind of kind of comes off as kind of being like, eh. But, you know, if you haven't gotten to play a Metal Max game, it will still be pretty awesome. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that being the case. I mean, I think talking to him, it, it even kind of sounded like that. Uh, but well, I mean, it's also sounded like part of part of it was you know they they were trying to start from scratch and move over from 3ds to consoles, so they could so they they could you know export it to Western markets and yeah. thus, you know like sometimes when you do that. 
you know, like you, you got to pair things back pretty much like what Yakuza did a couple of, you know, when they scrapped their old engine that they were still trying to support PS3 and PS4 and they just finally cut the cord and did a complete new engine for Yakuza 6. So I, I hope it does well at least because then, you know, there's always a chance they remake some of those old games again. We can kind of check those out. Or, you know, maybe they'll continue the series and kind of mix in a lot of the older stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll have to see. It's always been such a weird-looking game that I've always wanted to play it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It, it's always looked like, oh, hey, this is like Fallout through the eyes of, like, crazy JRPG developers. Which... <laughs> is honestly really exciting. <laughs> so <laughs> I I I mean I've played I've got some of the Japanese games and they're really cool, but obviously there's a lot you miss not necessarily being able to read anything. So uh I'm really looking forward to to Zeno. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how can you not be excited about what, what you know? Like, you got dinosaurs and you got tanks. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. The only thing is, I really wish that we were getting the Vita version. Just seems like, uh, obviously, partly because with everything else coming out, uh, it'd be something I could just take on the road with me, and because I've already got two giant games to play on PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at at least. Valkyria Chronicles, I can play in the Switch. Yes, you can. So at least there's that. So. And, and the Switch version seems fine. Excellent. Which I may have to try and make my way through East 8 before that comes out as well. Mm, yeah, you, you're still working on the Switch version of that? Yeah, uh, absolutely love everything I've played so far. It was a really good game. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, sorry, I'm back late. No worries. Uh, we're just talking about uh, Metal Max Zeno. Oh, nice. And and hoping that Gaijin is maybe just a little uh, a little too invested in the whole series, and maybe we'll all enjoy Zeno a little more. We don't know what we're missing, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he seemed to have like he seemed to think that the game certainly wasn't without redeeming qualities. So. Yeah. Plus, I think it launches at like forty bucks, which is not a bad price. Nope, not at all. I am going to grab the special edition just to throw a few mo- more bucks at the series. Bring more Metal Max. Yeah. We demand Metal Max. Yeah, I feel like it's in the case just like um, Dragon Quest. Got to support it. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it all the time in the show. I got to put my money where my mouth is. <laughs> like I've even I've even bought the Dragon Quest Muso games that I don't really like. So. Yeah, I haven't gone that far. Yeah, I don't blame you. <sighs> Dragon Quest Muso. Uh, it's Dragon Quest, but it's also still Muso. Uh, Dragon Quest Builders, now that is a spin-off. 
I will support. That's that's a great game. Yeah. Also, I think that it's now time for Yakuza Talk Part 7. I agree. Yeah, sounds good. Project Judge! Oh, man, that looks so awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I wasn't sure if it was explicitly a Yakuza spinoff just from the story trailer, but then I saw the gameplay trailer, and it's like, oh, that's the Smile Burger. I know this intersection, because I've played around in Kamurocho a lot. I know where this is. <laughs> also... The gameplay trailer, it just has Ono Michio just run by. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. But there's also, like, you can see so much of the series' like, DNA of being both self-serious and also complete farce around the point where they're showing off the disguise systems and one of the, the disguise system and one of the disguises he has is just Dracula. <laughs> so... Something. Yeah, it's something. I, I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see how much of it is just investigation, or they're actually going to be like any sort of courtroom scenes. They showed a bit that I feel like has to have been an intentional visual reference to Phoenix Wright, just by virtue of like the point that he was making. Surely. <laughs> so, like, I, I believe that there will probably be some courtroom antics, but it, like, the idea of an investigation game that also is, like, a Yakuza game. It's like a love letter written directly to my soul, so... <laughs> it looks awesome. I'm glad they're doing something new IP with that engine. Yeah. And something that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, you can see all of the, like... A part of it me wonders if, like, this game came into existence because they looked at the Dragon Engine and realized how much more detailed the city they were making was, and were like... But we could get more out of this, since we we already put so much detail in here. We can reuse this, but make a different kind of game in it, because it's now an environment suitable to contain other kinds of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Also, Dragon Quest... Not Dragon Quest. Uh, <laughs> I've got a few things on my brain right now. But also, for the first time, the Dragon Engine makes it so that jumping off of a wall to attack an opponent is a viable attack strategy. Yeah, you aren't you aren't totally uh, messed up just because there's like you know a little curb there that you can't get over. Yeah. Oh man, they, like some of the like it was interesting to look at the trailer because they also clearly are bringing back something resembling the style swap system from yeah from Zero, Zero and, and Kiwami. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll I think it'll work better here because in part like part of the issue that Zero and Kiwami run into is that Kiryu's styles in that are basically all of his style, his normal style except split into multiple uh, sub-styles. So it feels less satisfying to swap between them because you're just getting parts of his old moveset. But this new character, because they're making a new moveset from scratch, each of those styles can be more interesting. Yeah, I always felt Majima's varying styles in Zero worked a lot better than Kiryu's. Yeah, because he's just something that they could make new from scratch. And mm-hmm. so he's got a lot more distinction about, like, well, this is what this style is good at, and it doesn't feel like a toned-down version of something that already existed. Yeah, yeah, you had totally different movesets, and like, okay, this one works well for, like, confined spaces with lots of people, and this the other set, I don't remember which one was which, but I remember, you know, like, a different set would be like, oh, it's this one's good for one-on-one battles, and... 
Yeah. Like, swapping between them made a lot of sense with, with uh, Majima. Yeah. So, that and, like, and also I'm a huge wrestling mark, so the fact that one of the core moves the character showed off was the ability to do a head-scissors takedown, I'm pretty into. <laughs> oh, man. This trailer is just totally in your wheelhouse, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I knew that it was a, I knew that it was a love letter to me in specific because it had that head scissors takedown, a bunch of like investigation gameplay elements, and a bit where the dude jumps off a skateboard, kick flips, and then kicks a man in the face. <laughs> it is the most me possible trailer imaginable. Those are, that's like everything I love in video games. <laughs> I am a product raised in the crucible of the 90s, so I like detectives, skateboards, and and pro wrestling. (laughs) And the Yakuza devs will deliver. Yeah, that seems to be what they're making in its entirety. (laughs) Oh, man, it looks, looks really, really good. I'm so... And the fact that this is the first time ever that a product from that studio has been announced in Japan, and on the very same day, it was announced that it would also be coming out in English. Like, that's never happened before. (laughs) Yeah, I know the localization producers were just, like, so excited that they could just announce, like, yep, it's coming west, coming next year. Yeah, oh man, like, I I will say, I think I mentioned this, I took a selfie with the localization producer of Yakuza because he was a really nice guy who was like people came up to him afterwards and they were starting to ask him about things like the Yakuza uh, 3, 4, and 5 remasters and he's just like no like he just sat there and listened to every one of their like requests about it it was like he was just really gracious about it but he also talked one other thing I'll bring up about that panel is he brought up uh, the the really beloved great line from uh, Yakuza 0 where Majima, where you're given the option to have Majima make a pun during the cult storyline. And it's amazing just by virtue of the fact that, like, you know, you get that infamous pun where he just, like, is where he just randomly quips to no one. Uh, want to avoid dangerous cults, practice safe sex. No. And, <laughs> and the, the, like, apparently that was a much more generic pun in Japanese. Like, he was bringing up, like, you know, it was just, it, it was a very generic, like, sort of dad joke that you would have. And, you know, so it made sense at the time to localize it in that really specific way. And, you know, it was a really memorable line. It was great. But... There is a bit in, like, he was bringing up in, like, Kiwami 2 or something, where there is... I haven't gotten the chance to sink my teeth into Kiwami 2, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) But there is a bit uh, in that where he mentioned that, like, there's a bit where, like, you're thinking like Majima, and it's probably something in the Cabaret Club thing. But, like, it brings up how Majima thinks, and that line comes back in the Japanese version, but it doesn't make sense in this version, because, like... If you want it to make sense, you have to bring out the practice safe sex joke, because that's what it's calling back to. But it doesn't make any sense in this context anymore. <laughs> and it's like it's one of those things where like you don't know what you're about to do to your what you're going to do to yourself like five games on because you didn't like you know a localization choice made perfect sense at the time and suddenly it doesn't work anymore. It's really interesting to have them talk about that. 
But yeah, great panel. Recommend it. Please go back in time and go watch it. <laughs> it might have been streamed somewhere. There might still be an archive of it. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Yeah, there were a lot of panels that were streamed. There were some panels I attended that were not. That was a shame. But they, you know, they were good panels. I promise. <laughs> You'll have to take my word for it. But, yeah, that was a that Project Judge uh, trailer was like. I mean, people knew that that studio is making a new game, so yeah, it was they interesting. Said they were going to make new IP. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, they don't call it something that acknowledges that it's a Yakuza spinoff, because I guess technically, like, it takes place in the same world, but it's not really a spinoff. It's not built around the same characters. So. I'd Although say. I'm not, I'm not going to be stunned if you, like, uh, if there's some, like, you know, small hidden side quest that Kiryu pops up in. Yeah, you'll see Kiryu or Majima just sort of pop up because it's Kamurocho. Of course, they'll be there sometime. <laughs> Heck, they could uh, they could use that as another way to preview Kasuga Ichiban. Oh yeah, he probably. Oh gosh, I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. But yeah, new character. Yeah, could Kasuga very well Ichiban. Be there. Ichiban, yeah. They took some more wraps off uh, Shinryu Gagotoku fairly recently and acknowledged what characters will be coming back. So like, oh, shock of shocks, Akiyama's back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a better a better way to sum up Akima, Akiyama's role in Yakuza 6 than just like, no, Kiryu, don't steal this baby. Shut up, Akiyama. I'm definitely going to steal this baby. <laughs> That's one of the most amazing ways for like any sort of conflict to erupt. And then they have to fight about it. Yeah, they have to fight in front of the baby about who, whether you're allowed to steal the baby or not. Well, of course they do. Yeah, it, oh, it's man, Yakuza. I love Yakuza. I love Yakuza. <laughs> it's so uh, great. But yeah, like they they were taking feedback about how much people wanted them to like go over the script again for Yakuza Three and things like that. So I suspect we'll get those, and I suspect that they will probably have some, at the very least, revisement to the translation. Yeah. Um, and, and I assume in 3 there will be at least some of the uh, cut content. Yeah, we'll finally get that kanji guessing minigame back. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that should just come with a note that said, you asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, you wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> and for the uh... handful of people who play Mahjong every time. Yeah, there's some people that really get into the Mahjong. It's crazy to me. Like, I, like that's one of those games where it's like you have to go on Wikipedia. Like, if you were born and raised in any part of America that doesn't have, like, a heavy, like, Chinese expat, Chinese or Japanese expat community, you have to go on Wikipedia and read, like, ten pages of rules and then keep referencing back to it to figure out what the heck just happened in that hand. <laughs> I try every single time and every single time. It's just like, yeah, I don't really want to spend that much time trying to figure this out. Yeah. How long has it been since they had a proper shogi minigame? Oh. Like, that's at least more understandable. It's descended from the same rule sets as chess, so you can understand it as, like, a chess variant, but... I mean, there is one in Kiwami 2. Oh, there is. Nice. 
That used to be a tradition mini game. That always was in there. But I think there's a few that's missing from them recently. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, when they moved from the older engine to the Dragon engine, they had to pare back on a lot of the stuff. There's no bowling anymore. Yeah, they really went hard on like making variants to the the uh, baseball mini game, which was kind of a clever thing. Like, well, we've got this mini game in place. We can make variations of it, and it, like it'll give more content to make up for some of the side content that we don't have time to re-implement in this engine for this game. uh, Yeah, that was the one thing about playing Kiwami 2 and trying to review it was that I never played 2 in the first place, so I couldn't, you know, I'm not, didn't have the capacity to kind of compare and contrast the two. Yeah, so that's a valuable perspective too, like just how does this hold up as someone who has never played 2? Like how, how good is this game on its own merits? So... I think that's fair uh, to review on that sense as well. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was excellent. I, yeah. I, I, like, I've been debating ever since I, I reviewed it. Like, is that is that my favorite? <laughs> like, like two, 2 is my two nostalgic is... favorite, so I'm really excited to really dig into Kiwami 2. Yeah, I'm thinking now for me it's kind of between 2 and 0. That's so a, I kind of go back and forth. Those are both really high watermarks for the series. You know, Zero just kind of has everything. It's just massive. It has a really good story, but then it's got, you know, you can do everything in the Yakuza world. Yeah, it was, it, prob- was the la- it was one of the last major games on a specific engine paradigm, so there's just a lot of stuff there. Yeah. But, but I think okay. 2 has the, probably the better, kind of like, more focused and coherent story. Yeah, that that one like they they really have a grasp on where they're going with that plot in a way that a lot of the a lot of other games in the series like I love all the plots in the series mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's very clear that like uh they get to a point and it's like oh uh well this has to wrap up and there's like five different plot threads and they're all going to converge and it's going to only kind of make sense but you know it'll be a hell of a ride when they get there. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, especially like four and five, where we had all those different main characters who had to come together at the end. Yeah, like the endings, the ending of like four is just like this. What just happened? Car crash. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like I, oh man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to digging into two, uh, Kiwami two, because like they never really did. The idea of just like a pure rival character to cure you ever again. So, Go- yeah, Ryuji he- Goda is one of my favorite. Just like just to fight characters, he's just a really good bad. Yeah, he just made a really good antagonist for Kiryu. Yeah, just a balance and opposite. Yeah, like someone who is actually able to go toe to toe with Kiryu. Like yeah. he's. He is the the evil Kiryu, but like he is actually capable of like anytime someone else is sort of fighting Kiryu, there's this acknowledgement that like in any equal confrontation, Kiryu is basically the is always this one who has to win. And like he still has to win against Ryuji, but there's more of an implication that like this is a fight between people that are essentially equal. Yeah, it's so. one of the it's it's probably is the only time in the series where you're well, I mean, you know Kiryu is going to win, but it is the one time when it does feel like, like, like Kiryu could lose almost. Yeah, like it would be justifiable for Kiryu to lose. 
I guess would be the way I would describe it. But, oh man, that game's so good. And they like they only ever brought Goda back in the non-canon Dead Souls, where he has like the most ridiculous plot imaginable. <laughs> oh uh, god! And also has like a laser Gatling gun attached to his arm um, for it's, reasons. Dead Souls is crazy. And I wish it played better so I could recommend it more easily because it's not actually good. But so much of it is really fun. Okay, I'm in the same boat. Like, yeah, I, I playing that game is kind of painful, but the writing and the story is so much fun to experience. <laughs> Once you get to the point where they think that, uh, where, like, Majima is, like, terrified that he's, like, Majima is going to be turned into a zombie, and that's like, no, I was just an old man with, like that zombie was Full an old steam. man. He didn't have yeah. teeth, and like Majima's <laughs> infection, quote unquote, was actually just him having like hay fever. Uh, Dead Souls is a magical experience, and I wish that it was a better game. <laughs> oh, I think my favorite thing was where uh, Dojima was dressed up as a woman, and Majima was going around with him to try and attract the uh, the oh, the God. What was that? That was he was trying to attract the the. Oh, it's been forever. I played that game when it was new. That was like eight years ago. <laughs> oh, they were trying to attract. I can't remember. Was it the 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 zombies? Yeah, Maybe that, that sounds, sounds right. right. <laughs> <laughs> for reasons or some for some reason, you know, Majima needed a woman, and there was no woman, so Dojima had to dress up as a girl. As a girl, you know. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Oh man, they that series, Lord that Lord. game, that like that—that's the one that I suspect that unless there's some specific fondness for it in Japan, they never bother remastering. Because I mean, like when, like I think everyone who cares saw the Yakuza Kiwami two like customer satisfaction survey, and like one of the things on it was like, would you be interested in a remaster slash localization of uh, Yakuza games taking place in like historical periods in Japan, and it's like, hmm, I, I wonder if there's some thoughts in the cards about this because you've asked <laughs> us about projects before and suddenly they've happened. So, I would play the What's heck a... out of that one, by the way. What Kenzon or yeah, uh, yeah. Those the nice thing about Kenzon and Ishin is that you don't have to have played the other ones, so. That's that's another reason I'll probably be recommending Project Judge to anyone who I can get to listen because it's like every time I bring up Yakuza, there's like okay, yeah, I do want to play those because I've heard they're really good, but also there's like seven hundred of these and I <laughs> want to play them in order because there's so much plot and it's like I can't tell you that's wrong, but <laughs> please uh, buy them and play them. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just. Once once they're all out on, like, PS4 and Steam, because that seems to be the inevitable endpoint for where things are going, like, I'm, like, once they're all out on Steam, it's just, like, every Christmas, no, I don't care what you want, you're getting Yakuza, and maybe I'll get you something else. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that, that was the great thing about them, is, like, I jumped in with three, and they did a pretty good job of having, they, they pretty much always had that where they have little... Um, movies that you can watch, optional movies you can watch that would kind of yeah. catch you up on the basic main characters, and you like, could play the games through. You like if it mattered, it. if it mattered, you could 
get all the information, like any information that the game felt you needed to have, there would be some way to get it. Yeah. And like they even went above and beyond in the English version of Six, where they just had that like dream that Kiryu has right at the beginning, where he just sort of like sees all the characters and you can sort of go look at them. Like that doesn't exist in the Japanese version. They just added that because there, mm. it was more likely you hadn't played some of those games in the English speaking world. Uh, Heck, I always appreciate it just to like refresh my memory about all the different plot threads. Yeah, they're always so <laughs> convoluted that it's like, even if you have played it, it's like, this is just really useful. <laughs> yeah, it's been three years. It, it's nice to kind of get to read that again and remind myself of what was going on. It was really fun to be able to respond to the the uh, customer survey with like it was it. One of the things it asked is like, which ones do you own and which one did you first play? And it's like, oh sweet, I get to show like my nerd cred by responding that the first one I played was the first one, and I was looking forward to it before it came out. <laughs> yes, I'm asserting Yakuza fandom dominance. That's what I do with my time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh man! There's other TGS news, but uh, or at least pre-TGS news, but oh yeah, RPG. Uh, yes, Crystal Chronicles remaster. Oh, Crystal Chronicles HD. Yeah, For I'm... Switch and PS4 conspicuously absent. Xbox One. I'm. <laughs> I suspect that'll be that might show up later, but. It's one of those things where it's like you can kind of see where the wind is blowing with regards to Japanese game releases. Yeah, that, that's what happens when you let your system die in a region. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> but hey, Crystal Chronicles gets another shot at life. I'm very pumped for that, and especially because you won't need all sorts of ridiculous hardware to play multiplayer with people this time. I am expecting slash hoping that if you are if you have multiple people together with switches you will be able to like play local wireless but the fact that we know that it has online play means that that might actually build up the kind of community that would be needed to play <laughs> yes of course the one problem is going to be is that you're going to have to pick your platform ahead of time i'm going to play it on switch and i'm going to fight wheels if he chooses otherwise because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know sony won't let him go cross-platform oh yeah no yeah my choice is going to be to buy both versions, so... So you're prepared regardless. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that come back, like, get another shot at life, because it's, uh, it's a still a unique experience, even among its own franchise. Yeah, no, I, and that's going to be great. I'm going to try and get my son to play that. It's, nice. re it's relatively simple. That'd be cool. I only had a GameCube, like, for about a year at the very end of its life, so I missed... You know, several GameCube games, so that would—that's that, definitely that's one of the ones I miss. So yeah. it'd be cool to get a chance to play it. It's got a great soundtrack. Also, yeah, it's it, its aesthetic should scale up really well. Like, yeah. it has a great soundtrack. It has a great—it has great art. It's just oh yeah, it's different. Like it's—it's it's not like what you typically typically got in those days, and really a lot more recently as well, it's not like a Diablo clone or anything. It's, it's got its own vibe to it, which I always appreciated. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very unique game. I was never able to play it with others, but I did play it a bit by myself. And it, was, it wasn't the greatest experiences just by yourself, but it was pretty good. 
and uh, it was a very unique thing. And they they tried to make games that were more Diablo-y afterwards. Yeah, and those got very very like loot farm specific. And then they made a completely insane Wii game. Yeah, that, 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 that's love. never coming back. That is never no. coming back. That's have... like one of the first purchases you persuaded me into. Crystal Bears? Yeah, Crystal Bears. Yeah. It's a gorgeous game. It's a... And very unique. It's a strange game. Oh, what was the other? Oh yeah, Tales of Vesperia Definitive got a release date, I think. Did it? It, yeah, it's yeah, like January, January 19th. Okay. I'm almost glad it's not quite this year. I'm not. I'm going to get completely wrecked January. Kingdom Hearts 3 and Resident oh, Evil yeah. 2 come out the same freaking oh, day. Oh, Resident oh, Evil. Go. Oh, no. Like a week after Tales of Vesperia Definitive, like both of those come out. Like those both come out on the same day, which was already heart attack inducing for me. Well, I can't wait to play that and not use the pirate girl at all. Just, just as uh, fight me nerds. Just, yes, just, just out of spite. <laughs> Already have the the perfect troll tweet prepared too. Look, I'm playing the original Xbox release in the definitive <laughs> edition. <laughs> oh man. Oh, you missed out on the biggest news from the uh, PlayStation pre-TGS thing. What's that? There, there's going to be a Kingdom Hearts VR experience. Uh... <laughs> oh, good, for an audience of me and seven other people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it's not a fishing game this time. I love, I love Monster of the Deep because it's so ridiculous that it's kind of beautiful. And it so perfectly ties into, like, the only thing Noctis really has as a hobby is fishing. So it's like, oh, you know, that makes sense. It's dumb, but it makes sense. But, uh... Listen, I'll, I'll play that. I saw the the trailer where they finally showed Big Hero 6. They had, been, they had mentioned that it existed for years at this point, but we'd never seen footage of it. But now there's the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer where you see some of San Francisco. And it's really weird to see cars in a Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> so is there is there a Cars world? No. <laughs> Not Aww. that we know of. Oh. I'm hoping no. Oh. Really hoping no. Oh. Incredibles? Uh, we do not know. The only confirmed Pixar world is Toy Story. Okay, that's cool. But where's my Ratatouille world? Yeah, no, you'll get Ratatouille by video brinquedo I'm sorry if anyone here has actually seen Ratatouille I have I'm I, sorry I, uh, what it's a uh, it's a mockbuster of uh, Ratatouille and I think I'm just gonna send you a YouTube video and I, can... I'm already oh horrified. heck yeah it got it got uploaded in its entirety to YouTube by the people that <laughs> by the company that made it it's okay. uh, it looks like it was made on a child's computer. <laughs> oh god! Copy video URL at current time. Let's just record Wheels' reaction to this oh, live. Oh god! Oh god! Why do I have to click this? Yeah. <sighs> I've watched this film in its entirety. It's very bad. 
Oh, oh man, I forgot their incredibly rictus smiles. Oh no, no. Oh god. This animation is horrifying. Imagine showing that to a child on purpose. Oh, oh god, no. He's got spears on his head. It's important. Oh, I can hear the sound now. Oh, yes. Magic! This is what you get for sending me magic, man, once every three seconds. <laughs> I wonder if Joshua has ever experienced the joy of magic, man. Oh. Uh-oh. No. Okay. I'm gonna... Incoming link. Hold on. We're all criminals now. Should I, should I be afraid? Yes. Not uh, that afraid, quite, but... quite afraid. <laughs> Alright, there we go. We'll see how you react to that. I pull up. Uh, see what questions we have remaining. Yeah, I can't believe we're still recording. This was really masturbatory. That's eh, fine. It's fine. It's all fine. Magic man! Oh, what does he do to you and explore the dungeon? Because I don't know. I, I think he turns you into something. That makes sense. He'll just turn you into a giant foot. Yeah. I can't remember if he actually like says magic man when he appears, but... Uh, yeah. I feel like he would have. He said magic man a lot while playing that game. Yeah... Oh, spoiler dungeon, I still need to beat that. I made it to, like, 490. Uh, okay, any more questions? I don't know which ones I missed. We do have one more. It's which is your favorite post-SNES launch title? So, Wait, launch title for anything after the SNES. I assume, yeah. Mm. And I feel like Breath of the Wild is just super cheating here. Yeah, Breath of the Wild and Mario 64 <laughs> feel like cheating. I want to pull something that isn't like obviously an all-time classic. <laughs> hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of like the thing is that other after the SNES, Nintendo one, Nintendo consoles have really sparse launch lineups, and Microsoft and Sony consoles have gigantic ones, but all of them are awful. <laughs> I played so like I went on a quest and bought every PS2 launch game and all of them are bad. Like the only one that was even remotely playable was like uh if you were a really big Tekken fan tag tournament was not entirely disappointing. Uh SSX was cool, I guess. I was about to say SSX was the one I was thinking of from PS2. Yeah. I was in I was in college at the time, so SSX was popular. I, like, I still love that style of, like, racing an extreme sports game. Like, I miss that those aren't in vogue anymore. That's why I'm really pumped to, to see, just even just see someone riding a skateboard and kickflipping and then kicking someone in Project Judges. It's like, oh, sweet, a skateboard. <laughs> I miss Tony Hawk. 
If you've never looked at Tony Hawk's Twitter, go ahead and do that and listen to how many people just assumed he stopped existing or only existed in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like was at the airport today. Hey, you have the same you have the same name as that guy who was on the skateboards. Wonder what's going on with him. <laughs> and just oh, replying, geez. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> His Twitter, his Twitter also has in his bio description, I'm old, get over it. <laughs> it's he's, really good. He's in his 50s now, isn't he? Yeah, he's just past 50. Yeah. He's still great, though. Like, it's still great to, like, he's still a, you know, funny, personable guy, so. I hope they bring him out for the, uh, uh not to compete, obviously, but just to be there at the, uh, when they have skateboarding in the next Summer Olympics. That seems like the only person that you would want to actually be in attendance for that. Yeah. Not the only one, but there's it's one of the most, like, of course you have him in attendance for that. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, I'm Did looking through my... Uh, which is your favorite post? Let's see. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I, I think I'll go, like, system by system, just because... I do have opinions on all of their launches. Were there any uh, uh, RPGs that came out during the Vita launch? Hmm. There were. They were pretty unremarkable. The only thing that came out even... I don't know that it counted as a launch title. Gravity Rush came out within like the first month or two. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. I want to say that was like May of that year and the Vita launched in like March... It's something like that. that. Gravity Rush came out. Okay, in Japan it was a launch title. In the US it didn't come out until June. Interesting. But, yeah, like that was that was one of the more that was about the only thing that would have been memorable at Vita launch. There's unless you're like the world's only Army Corps of Hell or Unit fifty one fan. <laughs> There was that Diablo then, clone that I can't even remember the name of. Dungeon Hunter <laughs> Alliance. There oh, I thought that I thought they might have still been beating Untold Legends' corpse. No, that was dead by the by the Vita. Uh, yeah, it was the PS3 that had a really bad Untold Legends game at launch. Untold Legends: Dark Kingdom. You you love it? Beloved IP, Untold Legends. <laughs> By whom? <laughs> I'm sure someone cared about it at some stage. Maybe. Possibly. A little bit. Nah. We have so many Diablo clones at this point. We really do. Like, too many. There's already, like There's like five of them on the Switch somehow. Yep, and one of them is Victor Vran, and that yeah. matters. And and one that of them reminds me, is... people play Victor Vran. It's rad. I'll probably do some more streams of it. And one of them is oh, what do you even call that? Uh, there's Titan uh, Quest. Yeah, there's Titan Quest, and then there's actual Diablo, which I don't think counts as a Diablo clone, if we're being honest. But uh, well, some people that don't like it as much as Diablo Two would call it. Di a, lesser Diablo clone. 
Yeah, but I don't, kinda funny. I don't care what they think. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can you can not care about a franchise all you want, but it's not a clone of itself. <laughs> Says you. Do you want to have this fight? Because I don't think either of us is equipped to. I'd say Shining Force Feather is a poor Shining Force clone. Boom. Oh, it wasn't made by the people that made Shining Force. Oh, damn. All right, fine. Fine. A franchise can only be a clone of itself when it leaves its creator's hands. There's a lot of rules to this that I don't much care for. Yeah, too bad. I make the rules and enforce them. Uh, oh, but for TGS. That'll, we'll have a lot to discuss when that rolls around in, like, two weeks. <laughs> That's right. Um, wonder what to... What sort of surprises we might see? I'm thinking something Monster Hunter is going to show up at TGS. <laughs> Monster Hunter World G. World G, uh, Stories 2... Monster Hunter 5, Switch exclusive, something. Wow. You're betting on it being called Monster Hunter 5? Yep. Wow. I've made this prediction. I'm probably going to be super wrong, but I think there's going to be some sort of Switch exclusive Monster Hunter at some point. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, are you betting that it's going to be called Monster Hunter 5? Uh, yeah, why not? What are we? What's the wager? Uh, I don't know. You send me a Monster Hunter whatever comes out on Switch. <laughs> sure, why not? You do, you would want the excuse to try to force me to play Monster Hunter. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I might have better luck trying to get you to play maybe Monster Hunter Stories if they finally make a sequel. Yeah, but I I would be feeling consciously like, but this isn't actually Monster Hunter. It's Monster Hunter as expressed by Pokemon. Hmm. And also yeah. weirdly in canon because you meet up with monster hunters and they're weirded out that you befriend monsters instead of murdering them and making yeah, things I've from heard, their skins. I've heard tell that the plot of that involves that like the place you're in is the only place that like oh no, we don't kill monsters. It's so like no, that no, they're friends. Like that's like imagining if like Everywhere else in the world, the Pokemon didn't actually keep them as pets. They just ate them. <laughs> It'd be like if that was the case. Hmm. Can I play that game? That sounds morbid and horrifying. Why would you want that? Because it sounds funny. I think you might be a monster. Nah. Did you see that ridiculous uh, Pokemon uh, Let's Go Switch uh, like controllers slash dock? No. It has like an Eevee, uh, an Eevee colored controller on the left that like sits next to a like image of Eevee, and the Pikachu colored controller on the right that sits next to an image of Pikachu when it's docked. That's ridiculous, but kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cute. And I mean, Nintendo will always try to sell you a Pokemon branded version of any of their hardware. So you know, good times. Hard to blame them. They like money. Yeah, it it tends to work out for them, so I don't really uh, like. I mean, between Pokemon and Smash, they will sell as many switches as they can actually get out this holiday. So, uh, 
yeah, I think I think we're out of questions. I don't think I can. I don't think I can justify rambling about Yakuza for another three hours. So, we we had a good time rambling about it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess as a final uh, entreaties, like the Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise demo is up, and it's fun to wander around the wasteland and explode people. Not safe for work. Very violent. <laughs> uh, but, you know, fun. Like, it, it shows some nice twists on the Yakuza formula. It's very clearly made in the Zero engine. But it's it's good. I recommend it. Uh, Wheels, we still have to have that card game. Uh Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to this. Do that when I'm when I'm back from my trip this week. Okay. Uh, so, um, Elder Scrolls was your choice. Yeah, I think we went with that because you didn't know it by hand, by the like the back of your hand. So. Right. So you might have actually have a chance of beating me. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, like I was actually looking at like the concept of, like, how cards are supposed to work in a card game. It's like, you know, if you think, if you don't know what your cards is, cards are, like, if you were just to look at, like, each person has five cards in their hands, like, if you don't know what those cards are, the ideal is that, like, at the very least, each of your cards can essentially, ultimately trade with the other person in terms of, like, you use a card to negate their card or whatever. And so that's why card advantage is so important. Yes, I've still been looking at this. <laughs> You're trying to understand card advantage? Yes, card advantage is apparently very important, as it turns out. But have you looked up tempo yet? Yes, yes, I have. Okay, good. Sometimes you sacrifice advantage for tempo. Please kill me. <laughs> Correct. Please, please and, kill me. And I think one of the <laughs> hardest one of the hardest things there to learn is if you have a card that like does something that you play it, sometimes it's better just to play it even if you don't use that effect. Hmm. That is weird. I'll have to get used to that. It's, <laughs> it's difficult to understand because it's like I have this card, like I have this card that destroys a weapon. What if they play a weapon? Well it's like, well, if you play nothing and they play a minion, you now have, like, nothing to counteract that, and you've... now you're falling behind. And maybe card advantage never... is also about cards on the field. Correct. <laughs> yes. This is awful. The, like, my horrible card game education is now leaking into the podcast. Yes. Well, I was lucky because I played Magic for so many years, so when I started playing some of these other games of the there's a lot less of a learning curve, but I've seen a lot of people have a lot more trouble kind of getting these concepts. Meanwhile, I'm trying to learn these concepts by, like, looking at... by, like, looking up information on, like, card games that I remember from my youth that have very strange rule sets and card Ooh. games that I did not play much, but which, at the same time, I can understand via the lens of, okay, this is how a more typical one works. Mm. I'm a learning. I'm a learn boy. It's best to just look at magic because most of the major ones kind of riff off magic in one way or yeah. another, or riff off Hearthstone in one way or another as well. Um, Hearthstone works off. Hearthstone works off magic, but the ways it kind of <laughs> compresses it down and simplifies it is what a lot of digital card games copy. Like yeah, yeah, it, it's all rooted in magic, but it's easier to just 
look at Hearthstone because magic has you go, magic you go has build your mana. Yes, magic has ten bazillion rules, so <laughs> it's not not the best place to look at when you're trying to understand this stuff. Whereas Hearthstone is like, oh, you just get a, a mana every turn until you reach your max of ten, and you just play cards from that. It's bada bing, bada boom. Oh, hey, uh, breaking news. Last, ma- Last Remnant remastered announced for PS4. Are you like. Is that a joke? No! <laughs> You're kidding. You're due kidding. out digitally on December 6th in Japan. Wild. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I presume that that was at Sony's show as well or something, but like Square Enix will host a special Square Enix will host a special broadcast for the last Remnant remastered at Tokyo Game Show 2018 on September 22nd featuring Hiroshi Takai original director, Yusuke Naoda original art producer uh, Koichiro Sakamoto, remaster director, Asami Katada remastered project assistant and MC Nobuo of the comedy duo Penguins Finally. So, yeah. Uh, I didn't think anyone cared about that game except... It's back, baby! But, okay. I'm I'm down. Now ported to Switch, you cowards. <laughs> so, so this is why it was pulled from Steam. I guess. Presumably that means Maybe. that a Steam version is inbound, because, I mean, otherwise it wouldn't really make sense to pull the original. So... Port it to Switch and Steam, you cowards. Sweet. Alright. Yeah. That's good news. That game is no longer completely unavailable. <laughs> or at least it won't be it'll only be completely unavailable for two months. <laughs> uh, well that reminds me of the news I'm obviously hoping for from TGS is uh Dragon Quest eleven Switch. When's it coming? When's it coming west, maybe? Yeah, I suspect if us. we get anything, we'll get When's It Coming before we get When's It Coming West. Although yeah. it should it should follow on a lot faster, because, I mean, there's it's, a completed localization. Now. Yeah, I was going to say, it's already done. <laughs> uh, you darn well better have it come out faster. Yeah, I mean, if it's like, hey, this is coming out relatively soon, then I'm going to be like, well... It's, Nice, nice to have you as a little collector's item PS4 version. I'm gonna go put you away. You can you can go sit in the corner. Yeah, in your nice little steelbook. Uh, if only I had the steelbook, I could put the Yakuza Kiwami 2 logo on it and look ridiculous. <laughs> I saw someone like posting on like the Yakuza subreddit that was just like putting like there were just people putting the slipcase for Kiwami 2 on just every other steelbook they owned. It was ridiculous. That's pretty funny. Okay, that's enough. We won't All get right. any more yeah. news, I don't think. Uh, we'll wrap this up. The insane question is the usual way. Um, Etc. Streams. Victor Brand. Monster Hunter at some point. I don't know. One day, I me and answer. Wheels will stream a card game. Yes, that will be fun. Uh, oh, yes, uh, that will be uh, interesting to watch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> ahead of that, you need to download and start up the game because there's a bunch of tutorial stuff you have to do. 
Yeah, no, I wasn't going to go in and not know what the rules were. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of time on a train. I'll download it and try to play it, and it won't let me because I won't have an internet connection. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. I look forward to destroying you in epic fashion. I, I love that, like, there's not even... You're not even pretending that this will be even kind of equal competition. <laughs> um... In many things, I'm quite humble. In card games, I am not. <laughs> in card games, you're a just monstrous human being. Oh, yes. Uh... It is true. Like, it took me forever to realize that, hey, I have... Hey, I haven't reached Legend in Hearthstone because I'm getting gypped. It's because I ha don't quite understand the, the highest level yet. Gotta learn high-level plays. That, that was a massive, difficult hurdle to get over. You're an animal. Um, Card let's, games. Uh, also, Play them. Also, also I feel like uh, we, should, we should let our guests plug some things. Yes, <laughs> uh... What recent reviews have you done? And uh, we already talked about what you're working on, but <laughs> yep, working, still working on Valkyria Chronicles Four. Just did Kiwami Two, kind yeah. of appropriate for this cast. Yeah, and oh. you gave it a four four point five out of five, right? Yeah. Cool. It was pretty darn good. Thank you for being here because you're the only one that I can just bounce hours of Yakuza discussion off of. <laughs> Anytime, anytime. I, I I can I'm always up for chatting some yakuza. <laughs> oh, come back when oh, uh, Mr. North Star Lost Paradise is out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> All right. Yes, this is a plan. <laughs> on that note, we will send you out with I don't know the Spider-Man theme. See you next time. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Bye-bye. Does whatever a spider. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes a Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread?